That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. Welcome to the Tech Meme Ride Home for Tuesday, October 1st, 2019. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, listen in on Mark Zuckerberg rallying the troops. GoPro hopes newer cameras will revive its fortunes. Prepping for Microsoft's big event tomorrow, the SEC slaps a crypto company on the wrist, and Tesla's new smart summon feature has made for some interesting viral videos. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. The Verge got its hands on some leaked audio from open meetings that CEO Mark Zuckerberg held with Facebook employees in July. Quoting The Verge, The Verge obtained two hours of audio from the meetings, which include extended question and answer sessions between Zuckerberg and his employees. In language that is often more candid than he typically uses in public comments, Zuckerberg seeks to rally the company against Facebook's competitors, critics, and the U.S. government, end quote. So let me take some of these in reverse order, saving what is probably the most newsworthy audio for last. On those reports of straight-up PTSD that Facebook's contractors allegedly face when moderating content on the platform. You know, some of the reports, I think, are a little overdramatic from digging into them and understanding um, what's going on. It's not that most people are, are just kind of looking at, at just terrible things all day long, but there are really bad things that people have to deal with. Um, and, and making sure that people get the right uh, counseling and, and space and, and ability to, to, to kind of to take breaks and, and get the mental health uh, support that they need is a really important thing. A lot of people think that TikTok is the new rising competitor that Facebook is facing slash wants to emulate slash maybe wants to kneecap. A Facebook employee asked, quote, are we concerned about TikTok's growing cultural clout among teens and Gen Z? And what is our plan of attack? To which Zuck answers that TikTok has indeed surpassed Instagram in India in terms of what he calls scale, which I assume means number of users. But we have uh, a product uh, called Lasso that's a, a standalone app that we're, um, that we're working on trying to get product market fit in countries like Mexico is, is I think, one of the first initial ones. Um, so we're trying to first see if we can, we can get it to work in countries where TikTok is not already big, or we go and compete in country, with TikTok in countries where they are big. On how the rollout of Libra is going and the pushback from governments, remember this audio is from July. The public things, I think, tend to be a little more dramatic, but a bigger part of it is private engagement with regulators around the world, and those, I think, often are more substantive and, and, um, and, and less dramatic, and they're not being, those meetings aren't being played for the camera, but it's, it's, that's where a lot of the discussions get, and details get, get hashed out on things. And then the section that has made most of the headlines so far, the question from a Facebook employee was, quote, with the recent FCC fine investigation and with the rise of politicians like Senator Warren, I was wondering how personally worried you are about regulators coming in and breaking up Facebook, end quote. Zuckerberg says this later in his answer. It's just that breaking up these companies, whether it's Facebook or Google or Amazon, um, is not actually going to solve the issues. And, you know, it doesn't make election interference 
uh, less likely it makes it more likely because now the companies can't coordinate and work together. But he initially began his answer by saying this: Like Elizabeth Warren, who thinks that the right answer is to break up the companies,、um, you know, I mean, if she gets elected president, then I would, I would bet that we will have a legal challenge, and I would bet that we will win the legal challenge. So it's, it's so it's,、um, so basically, it's,、uh, it, and.、Um, So I, I, does that still suck for us? Yeah, I mean, I don't have to, you know, have a major lawsuit against our own government. I mean, that's not like the position that you want to be in when you're, you know. I mean, it's like we we care about our country and like want to work with our government to do good things. And、um, but but look, at the end of the day, if someone's going to try to threaten something that existential, you go to the mat and you fight. To which Senator Warren herself tweeted this morning, "What would really suck." Is if we don't fix a corrupt system that lets giant companies like Facebook engage in illegal anti-competitive practices, stomp on consumer privacy rights, and repeatedly fumble their responsibility to protect our democracy, I'm not afraid to hold big tech companies like Facebook, Google, and Amazon accountable. It's time to hashtag break up big tech. End quote. As many people pointed out this morning, the Warren campaign is likely counting its lucky stars this morning. Quoting Jennifer Bendry. On Twitter, yet another thing at E Warren can make a campaign ad about Facebook, like Wall Street, is scared of her. End quote. Yes, one imagines that it might be useful to have quotes like this floating around in a Democratic primary season. Laura Olin tweeted, "Quote: The gifts to Warren's fundraising team keep coming." End quote. GoPro has unveiled the $399 Hero 8 Black and $499 Hero Max cameras, available for pre-order today. Shipping in October and coming with three new modular add-ons. Quoting CNBC, the Hero 8 Black is 14% lighter than the current Hero 7 Black and has a 12-megapixel camera sensor with improved HDR, which will improve pictures and video in low-light areas. It has a new hypersmooth 2.0 video stabilization to help smooth out bumpy video, wind noise reduction, and can shoot 4K video in addition to slow motion video. The Hero Max has two lenses and can record sharper 5.6K video in 360 degrees. A new Max SuperView ultra wide camera mode for fitting more of the scene into pictures and videos. It can live stream in 1080p and offers an option that lets people automatically backup videos and photos to the cloud. It also has six microphones, which GoPro says will offer the best stereo sound ever from one of its cameras. GoPro also announced three modular add-ons for the cameras. There's an $80 display mod with a 1.9-inch display that can fold into the front or back of the camera and help you better frame your pictures and videos. Also, a fifty-dollar waterproof light mod, and a media mod, which lets you attach both the display mod and the light mod to the top of your GoPro. End quote. Brent Rose at the Verge already got his hands on the Hero Eight Black, and he already has his review up. He likes it. He likes that the Hero Eight Black doesn't require special housing for mounts. He likes that it's got improved image stabilization, but he does note that the camera tends to get a tad hot when recording. In his conclusion, he wrote, quote, "Overall, the Hero 8 Black is a worthy successor to the throne. It's easily going to be my go-to action camera starting now, at least until I get my hands on the GoPro Max in a month or so. And I'm more likely than ever to use it as a B camera on upcoming productions. 
Just wait until vloggers get their hands on this thing, end quote. Shout out to Crunch Labs for sponsoring today's episode. Crunch Labs is a very small team of fun-loving design folks and engineering nerds led by Mark Rober, head engineered and former NASA engineer. You have kids? Just ask them who Mark Rober is. They know. Trust me, YouTube science superstar. Crunch Labs has BuildBox, a STEM subscription build-it-yourself box for kids. My boy Max is a subscriber, and I'm telling you, he rips these boxes open and gets to building right away. This summer, Crunch Labs is hosting Camp Crunch Labs, where kids get 12 build-it-yourself toys with one shipped every week. Plus, access to exclusive Mark Rober videos and weekly challenges that help grow kids' brains all summer long. Camp Crunch Labs has weekly challenges that kids get super excited about and fosters their creative thinking. Last year, more than a million people tuned in each week to watch camp and try their luck at the challenges. Worried about your kids' brains turning to mush over the summer? Sign up to Camp Crunch Labs and turn them into little robot-building mad scientists like Max. Right now, you can purchase a limited Camp Crunch Labs subscription and get two boxes free, a $60 value. Just go to crunchlabs.com ride to sign your kids' up for Camp Crunch Labs today. That's crunchlabs.com slash ride. If you're a marketer, you probably got into marketing because you like being creative. If you're a developer, it's because you like building cool stuff. But too often, marketers and developers are stuck with old school content management systems that make it harder to do that. Storyblock, a content management system, is here to help. Teams from Netflix, Tesla, and Oatly are among the 200,000 Storyblock users who switched from old-school systems like Sitecore, Drupal, and AEM to Storyblock. Why? Storyblock makes it easier for marketers and developers to build websites, apps, and other digital experiences and simply get shit done. For example, Storyblock has a new feature called the Ideation Room. The Ideation Room is a central space within Storyblock where you can collaborate with your teammates to come up with new ideas and refine them with the help of AI. If you want to ship your work in less time and stop wrestling with your CMS, try Storyblock for free today at Get dot storyblock.com slash ride home. That's get dot S-T-O-R-Y-B-L-O-K dot com slash ride home. An appeals court has upheld the FCC's 2017 repeal of net neutrality, but at the same time ruled that the FCC can't stop states from setting up their own net neutrality regulations, quoting Tony Rahm in The Washington Post. In a nearly 200-page opinion, judges on the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals sided with the FCC and its Republican chairman, Ajit Pai, who was appointed to his position by President Trump. While it said the agency must return to the drawing board on some elements of its appeal, the court upheld the legal underpinnings of the FCC's work, finding that net neutrality supporters had made, quote, unconvincing arguments in their efforts to override the FCC's deregulation of companies such as AT&T, Comcast, and Verizon. But the ruling still appeared to offer a lifeline to net neutrality supporters. It overruled an effort by the FCC to block states from adopting open Internet protections of their own. The FCC preempted those regulations as part of its prior repeal, but the court determined the telecom agency had overstepped its authority. Lawmakers in California adopted their own net neutrality rules last year only to be met by swift opposition from the Justice Department, which sued to stop their implementation, citing the FCC's legal blockade, end quote. 
Tomorrow, Microsoft will be hosting a hardware event here in New York City, and I'll be there live to hopefully come back with some hands-on impressions of the new gear. In prep for that, Microsoft appears to be clearing the decks of other news. For example, Microsoft is now allowing OneDrive users to expand to one terabyte of storage on OneDrive in 200 gigabyte increments. Also, Microsoft has launched OneDrive Personal Vault to protect folders using two-factor authentication. Both new features are already available globally. Quoting from Therat.com, OneDrive's new personal vault provides users with a secure place within their OneDrive cloud storage. The vault can only be accessed using a PIN or your phone's biometric authentication system. Personal vault includes other features like automatic locking, BitLocker encryption on Windows 10, and restricted sharing. The feature first launched in Australia, New Zealand, and Canada, but Microsoft is rolling the feature out to all users worldwide today. For those users with the free or standalone 100-gigabyte plan of OneDrive, you will only be able to store up to three files in your personal vault, while everyone else will be able to store as many files as they want. Expandable storage on OneDrive is also launching today, meaning those with an Office 365 subscription can now expand their one-terabyte storage in 200-gigabyte increments starting at $1.99 a month for an additional 200 gigabytes of storage, end quote. And Microsoft has rolled out its Azure-based Windows Virtual Desktop globally with a Windows Virtual Desktop client app also available now for Windows, Android, Mac, iOS, and HTML5. Quoting Mary Jo Foley in ZDNet, WVD is a new service that provides Windows 10 virtualization along with multi-session Windows 10 capabilities and support for Windows Server, RDS Desktop, and apps. WVD will allow users to virtualize Windows 7 and 10 Office 365 Pro Plus apps and other third-party applications by running them remotely in Azure virtual machines. Microsoft also will provide to WVD users the ability to virtualize their Windows 7 desktops with free extended security update support through January of 2023. That means customers who license and purchase WVD will continue to get security updates for Windows 7 after Microsoft officially ends support and security updates for the product after January 14th, 2020 for no additional cost, end quote. Crypto startup Block One, the team behind the EOS token, has settled with the SEC for $24 million in penalties for conducting an unregistered security sale. This was one of the closest watched security enforcement actions made by the SEC in the crypto space surrounding initial coin offerings. Block One had raised around $4.1 billion via an initial coin offering. So this fine represents 0.58% of the initial raise, which is, you know, not exactly going to deter people from doing something like this. An SEC press release, quote, highlighted that Block One's token sale began shortly before the SEC released its DAO report, but, quote, continued for nearly a year after the report's publication, end quote. The company did not secure an exemption from securities registration requirements and did not otherwise register the sale, the SEC said. In its own press release, Block One said the settlement only applies to the sale of the original ERC-20 token it sold. EOS holders swapped their Ethereum-based tokens with the proper EOS tokens when the network first went live. More significantly, Block One's statement said that its ERC-20 token is no longer in circulation and, quote, will not require the token to be registered as a security with the SEC, end quote. So the way I'm reading this is the pre-product, the pre-launch version of what eventually became EOS, 
was a security in the SEC's eyes, but after the swap out to the EOS token, the EOS token itself is not a security. And beyond paying the fine, Block One doesn't have to give any of the money back to investors that it raised. So here's Ryan Taylor's take on Twitter, quote, the settlement actually doesn't state one way or the other whether the post-launch EOS token is a security or not. It doesn't even attempt to opine either way. However, the fact that the SEC focused only on the initial sale is telling of their priorities, end quote. On top of that, it's actually hard to read the SEC's tea leaves here because the SEC still seems to be coming down hard on kick for something essentially similar. I have no skin in this game whatsoever, but I will quote Mike Dudas here from Twitter, quote, Champagne corks are flying at Block One HQ tonight. Cheers! We got away with it. End quote. Finally today, remember when I told you that the biggest software update in the history of the Tesla platform finally brought that new smart summon feature to Tesla cars last week, the feature which allows the car to drive to you in, say, a parking lot situation? Yeah, well, videos of owners actually trying out the feature have gone viral online since then, showing, shall we say, varying degrees of success. To see some of the videos yourself, do click through to the link from Jalopnik in the show notes, who says, quote, On the plus side, sure, Smart Summon is great for impressing people and not getting wet in the rain or having to walk to your car, possibly with a bunch of heavy crap, but... At the same time, when has it ever been okay to attempt to be in control of your car from potentially across a parking lot? There's plenty of cases where Smart Summon has worked just fine, and yes, people do stupid stuff in parking lots every day. Tesla does specify that it's a beta release, which is fine for most software, but does it make sense when that software is driving a full-size car in a public space? This is a tricky one. I'm pretty sure we'll see more Smart Summon issues and fender benders because the world is messy and confusing. I reached out to Tesla for comment, and we'll update when I hear something, end quote. Again, watch the videos. There have already been fender benders documented. There's been cars shown to run into garage walls in their own driveways. But the larger point here is it's absolutely amazing that Tesla has just thrown this admittedly beta-labeled product out into the world. On this weekend bonus episode, you're going to hear a story that I'd never heard before about the reason Waymo decided it had to go for full autonomy. The reason it decided it couldn't do half measures with limited versions of autonomy was because with humans still in the equation making decisions, it was just too potentially messy. And yet here's Tesla just being like, go ahead, give this a go. Just like they've done with their autopilot feature. Actually, I'm going to straight up plug this right now. This weekend's bonus episode is an interview with Waymo's head of hardware, Satish Jayachandran. Guess where Satish worked before moving to Waymo? Tesla, where he was the director of hardware engineering for Tesla's autopilot team. That is all for today. Get ready for some big Microsoft news tomorrow, kiddos. Talk to you then.